Welcome to The Withering Effect, episode 125, published January 5th, 2022. I'm Carl, or Carl Rides to the rest of the internet, and today is a very special episode of the podcast, where I'm going to be taking a look back at some of the best conversations and ideas from our episodes in 2021. We start back in January with episode 77, where Duds and Jimbo are discussing ways to improve the nighttime experience in Minecraft, with new animations, mob improvements, and a new beacon effect. Before we go over to my problems and my fixes, what about you? How would you fix nighttime in Minecraft? Uh, yeah, I have a few fixes here. One of them would be to make the nighttime more enjoyable with looks. I'm thinking more of a night sky animation. Maybe you want to see like shooting stars. I would love that. Maybe you want to see, yeah, maybe a comet or an asteroid or whatever, you know, come mm-hmm. across the stream. Some rare events, rare occurrences maybe mm-hmm. that happen at night that you might want to see. Maybe an Aurora Borealis, Northern Lights, mm-hmm. every once in a while. Maybe when the sun goes down or when it's coming up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just different sky animations, even in the day. Can't see much in the day, but you have the clouds up there that kind of distort the image in the day. Maybe at nighttime they f- they fade away and you get some nighttime animation. Yeah. Before we go too far on there, I like what you said. Clouds? You they, Minecraft needs to raise clouds. Yes. They're so low. If you build anything tall, they cut through the middle of your build. And it's like, I always feel clouds should be just above build limit. I agree. Yeah, you shouldn't be able to, to build inside the clouds. Not that low, at least. I would turn clouds back on if they're above build limit. But as of now, they're staying off. Yep, they're off on mine. I'm also thinking maybe in some biomes, crops grow faster at night. That could be cool. It could could depend on the crop, but I'm thinking... A couple mm-hmm. biomes might be, I don't know, uh, something maybe lush, lush caves. <laughs> what What's the the spruce wood? Mm-hmm. What's that biome? Taiga. The taiga, yeah, taiga biome. Maybe the taiga biome. Things grow faster at night, you know, because of the, the soil or the mega taiga. It's got that odd soil. Yeah. Maybe vines or even mushrooms can grow a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah, not just so much crops. Maybe all plant life grows faster mm-hmm. in certain biomes at night. So maybe you want to keep your keep night up to get your efficiency of your farms or yeah, whatever you need to grow. That could be cool. I like that idea. And last thought I was thinking might make t- nighttime a little more fun is double XP at night when you kill a mob. Uh-huh. Any mob that would spawn at night naturally you'd get double XP from. Now, there could be, you know, an instance where people make farms that only run at night mm-hmm. to get the double XP. I think that's kind of even because you can go to the Enderman farm and get a ton of XP, but, you know, early game, get double XP at night. Yeah. It would keep you up at night, you know, so you wouldn't have to sleep through. And go through, even if you have a farm that works at night, you can go to that at night, but you're not sleeping through it. Exactly. No, I completely agree, especially early game, because early game XP is such a grind. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you get bonuses for staying up and willing to fight hordes of mobs at night, 
getting double XP seems worth it. Yep. I love that idea. That's my first thought. thought that was my best thought. Very good. Double XP. Those are great ideas. Thank you. It's a first. <laughs> Did you just do first? <laughs> <laughs> That's a first. Oh. No, no, I generally like most of your ideas. Yeah. So my issues I have with nighttime. Number one, phantoms. I love the phantom as a mob. I hate the phantom as a mechanic. The forcing players to sleep has me sleeping more than I ever have, which means I skip night more than I ever have, which means I stay inside more than I ever have. Sleep more than you ever have. My second issue I have is the massive amount of mobs that come out at nighttime. Like you said, disrupting farm raids. Uh, you're constantly having to light everything up, which causes a ton of torch spam, which is just ugly, especially if you're trying to build a nice-looking build in survival. Mm -hmm. It's just a mess. Really, if you want to play with light in Minecraft and you don't want to be on a mushroom biome, it reduces your block palette insanely to only blocks that have half slabs of stairs because those are not spawnable and i think that's something mojang needs to think about when we say we want more half slabs and stairs it's because we want to play with lighting effects that we can't because of mob spawning mm -hmm. it's not so much the we're not trying to be creative it's we're limited in creativity because of outside effects affecting palettes so there's that and Finally, as a content creator, nighttime is just bad for recording. Mm -hmm. I have internal shaders on, which brightens everything up as it is. But even when I walk into a dimly lit area with these internal shaders on and you watch it on YouTube, it's so dark. Like If I walk into my storage room and look up at the ceiling, it, it is a giant black blob. You can't tell that I've done layers of glass and black concrete mm -hmm. and everything. You just see black blob. Yeah. So it's like, well, that was kind of the effect I was going for, but not so much that poorly. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that. It's really hard to get the look on on YouTube. Yeah. It makes it so much darker. Even like underwater. Yes, very much. It's hard to record. Yeah, so those are my issues with nighttime in Minecraft. Let's get into fixing nighttime. Those were also my issues, by the way, also. Yes. Those are all my issues also. Jibbo was just trying to add on to the ones I already had problems with. Yeah. He has these issues also. So if you have a fix that I'm not talking about, definitely hop in and dogpile. Let's get these issues knocked out. First problem, phantoms. Uh, how do I fix phantoms? Maybe make them more biome-specific or a structure-specific mob. Kind of like the pillagers have the outpost. Maybe one of these new cave types house a phantom. Mm. my big thing is i want the bat out of minecraft i think bats are stupid they don't bring anything to the game they're super annoying i would much rather have the phantom take the uh the bat spot in caves because the phantom is a cool looking mob i dig it mm. and also i'm gonna bring this up dirty blonde from our discord put a texture where he changed the elytra wings to phantom style wings does that not make way more sense than elytra wings now yeah they look pretty cool. Yeah. The, the texture makes a lot of sense, and I wouldn't mind seeing it switched over. Anyways, fixing phantoms, give them, a, give them a location that you can search out. It would also make them a more farmable mob. 
You wouldn't have to wait three days to get them to spawn and have a 10-minute window to farm them. You'd be able to go to a location at any point, especially if it's in a cave and they still need light levels to spawn. Sounds like a good idea to me. Yeah, I could see that. Biome-specific, I do like that. My only worry with doing a biome-specific instead of a structure-specific spot is that it could be a turnoff for people building in that biome just because of how hated phantoms really are. Unless it's like the mushroom they're specific to. <laughs> that you'd get like the good with the bad. Yeah. You, you'd get no mob spawning, but at nighttime you'd get phantoms every night. That may be a turnoff too. <laughs> yeah. Phantoms are just such a hated mob, which is funny considering it won a popular vote to be in the game. Yeah, they're just annoying. They really are. That makes you sleep through the night. Yeah. Waste it away. Wasting nights. So my second issue, the ton of mobs that are spawning, which then causes torch spam, which then causes ugliness and builds. The way I would fix that is a new beacon effect. And I've mentioned this before. I think a beacon effect to repel mob spawning is a great idea. You could make it uh, maybe, you know how you most people just use an iron ingot to purchase said beacon effect at the time. Mm -hmm. um, maybe the mob repelling effect costs something different. Maybe it's a little bit more rare. Maybe you have to put a phantom membrane in there, and that means phantoms don't spawn there. Maybe, maybe you have to use rotten flesh and keep zombies out, or maybe you have to use a netherite ingot to keep everything out. Mm. And for me, I think this helps uh, you in a bit in the Hertz farm rates, because strategically placing a beacon that could repel mobs would effectively stop mobs from spawning in areas you do not want them to spawn, thus making your farm efficiency better, because that would be the only area mobs could spawn. Yeah. In the same episode, the discussion turns to the issues of getting large amounts of sand without destroying a full desert. Dud sets out his idea for a new crafting table, and a new feature for the Blast Furnace. Getting sand and harvesting sand, whether it be a farm or just mining it in the desert and everything like that. And I had an idea for a new quote-unquote crafting table. That seems kind of obvious, and I'm wondering why we don't have one yet. Right. Stick with me. You've heard this one in the stream. I did. Because uh, I did a live stream yesterday. And that's when it really hit me. It's like, why is this not in the game? But like, so you have smooth stone, and then you have cobble, and you have gravel, and you have smooth sandstone, and you have sandstone, and you have sand, and all those can kind of be crafted together and make your. Why can't I get a table that's a crusher that can turn smooth stone into cobble, and then turn cobble into gravel? Like, I mean, it seems like a natural progression, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine taking smooth sandstone to sandstone, to sand. We could polish sandstone. We can smelt cobble to get the smooth variations and stuff like that. But there's no way to go back. In real life, it would be harder to put sand into sandstone than to make sandstone into sand. You can just yeah. grind it up, make sand. Sand's got to be a lot easier to make than sandstone. Yeah, give me a hammer. Watch me work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can do it with a hammer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, crushing station. That would be 
interesting. I wonder what it would be. Just you think like a grinder of some some sort, but we have a grindstone. Yeah. So it's definitely something to think about. Thinking about it, I went to the blast furnace because to me, a blast furnace is almost useless. Almost useless. The only thing I would want to use a blast furnace for were to be to turn sand into glass, and you can't do that anyways. Nope. You can't do it. So to me, I definitely agree with it should take some kind of fuel source to get these items back into their original state. So taking the blast furnace and maybe renaming it from blast furnace to something else, high-pressure cooker or something weird like that. Uh, maybe blast furnace still works. And uh, maybe a little TNT animation goes off whenever you're trying to turn smooth stone into cobble or something. I don't know. Well, I've been watching a lot of like forging videos. Uh-huh. And that's something I'm starting to get interested in. You know, people making knives and just other steel products. Um, I know that the heat solidifies it. So I don't know if a furnace would be a good idea to make it back into sand. Very true. Well, my first thought was you're talking about the forging stuff was that big hammer that you see like they set it, they stand on a pedal and it just pow, 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 pow. And they yep. run the steel through it or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. The flatten it or shape it. Yep. Yeah. My first thought was that, but that felt a little too out of the realm for Minecraft. So then I went, well, what's something useless that maybe I can give a new property to? And maybe it still is a blast furnace that has, like I said, maybe it's a quote-unquote blast furnace where maybe instead of fuel like in rod or not in rods but uh blaze rods and stuff you gotta feed it tnt <laughs> and then it'll explode the items mm. yeah you're cut well yeah you're cute kind of using sand to make sand though <laughs> that's true it's not a full-fledged thought-out process <laughs> mm -hmm. um that's for the experts at mojang yeah i really like the idea mm. i don't see how it isn't in the game i always thought about that like I have all this sandstone. Maybe I can get sand out of it. No, it only goes one way. Once you get the sandstone, you can't go back. So, yeah, I've always thought about it being a, some kind of way to undo a craft. Let me drop my anvil on it, turn it into sand. There you go. Something. Another new item, a hammer. And then I'm going to have to complain about now I have to carry this hammer around with me. <laughs> yeah, to make sand. Got to make sand. Need my hammer. Yeah, where's my hammer? <laughs> In February, on episode 82, we continue with the sand theme with a listener comment from Rebel JC about converting zombies into husks to potentially farm sand. Plus, now we have powdered snow, could we see quicksand added to the game? Since we now can convert skeletons into strays by freezing them in powdered snow, and convert zombies into drown by drowning them, do you guys think we should be able to convert zombies into husks as well? Yes. Yeah. They say maybe we could do this by drawing them out into the daylight to burn and splashing them with potions of harming to keep them from dying, since harming works as healing for the undead. If husks could drop sand, which they should, then it would be a reliable way to farm it. 100% agree. I don't think husks burn in the daylight, though. No, they don't. I think he meant, you know, the zombie that's burning Oh, to convert him. Yeah, to convert gotcha. him. Gotcha, gotcha, good point. Yeah, I misread that. Yeah, it's finding a good way to convert them that makes sense. To me, the obvious way that would make sense is to add quicksand to the game. 
Mm. We have powdered snow, which to me essentially acts like quicksand in snow. So I kind of expect when we have a desert update or something, we will get a quicksand block. Yeah. This to me would be the way to create husks. And yeah, husks should drop sand. They're not creating a zombie spawner farm that converts zombies to husks to drop sand would not be overpowered. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you think about these as XP farms, yeah, everyone has a zombie grinder to start. But the second you get to the end, you ditch that zombie grinder because it doesn't produce as fast as you would need. Mm -hmm. So this would be very much an AFK way to get sand. And I'm fine with it, 100%. Yeah, husks just sound like sand. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like they're like, you know, made of sand in the first place. I love the idea of quicksand. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like an obvious implementation to the game like you have the powdered snow why why can't we have quicksand yeah and that would be an ideal way to convert into the husk i'm trying to think of other mob variations that can be converted i think that's it just a zombie in the skeleton well i mean you have a villager that can be turned into a witch with lightning strikes right um the mushroom cows obviously yeah i think that might be kind of it the husks, though, they need a little loving. Strays finally got a little loving. And I think husks will get loving when they get around to redoing the desert. Remember, they're going to redo all the biomes. Mm-hmm. The vote was just to determine which ones got done first. Yep. And it is Valentine's Day. You know, everyone should have a little bit of love. <laughs> Even the husks. Even the husks. Uh, but yeah, I'm, to me, I'm thinking how cool it would be to have quicksand. And if you fall all the way through quicksand, you may either, one, die from suffocation, or two, you fall into one of these newly generated caves. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That would be really cool, too. Right. Not technically a falling block. Like, you can go through it. Yeah. It's not, you know, controlled by gravity. I like that. A sand that doesn't fall. Yeah. I'm on board. For episode 88 in March, Duds and Jimbo were joined by Bedrock content creator Prowl. In this clip, he sets out what inspired him to make Bedrock videos for YouTube. So my inspiration to make videos came not long after Bedrock Edition came out. I was playing, trying to learn a technical game, and like anybody that ever come up playing Bedrock, especially when it first came out, Mm-hmm. You would know that when you went to look for videos on how to do things on YouTube, you would try to do this thing and it wouldn't work because it was a Java video and you just didn't have the understanding that they were different until you've like messed up numerous farms. Mm-hmm. So um, I would prowl, uh, prowl, get it? I didn't even mean, mean I mean, yes, I did mean that pun. <laughs> um, I would prowl the message boards and... As I was learning how to do things, I wanted to, to also help other people know that we're on the like the unofficial Minecraft message boards of how to do these different things in the game, like make farms and that sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would try to help people there. And I was very active on those uh, message boards back then. And then eventually I came up with a design, which nobody had at the time of a mob farm for Bedrock Edition that worked in the daytime and the nighttime. Mm hmm. I don't want to get like too into the weeds here because I can get way into the weeds, but spawning works a lot different on Bedrock Edition. Yeah. And mobs are split between a certain number of mobs that can that can spawn on the surface 
and a certain number of mobs that can spawn under the surface or under a solid block. Mm-hmm. At that time, it wasn't possible or nobody knew how to get that to work and nobody really knew spawning mechanics that well. And um, I got inspired by a previous guest of yours, Groove Guy, mm-hmm. who kind of figured all those out for, I think, the first time out of anybody. And I took what he had learned and applied it and made a mob farm that you could make multiple levels of and actually get a good amount of drops. So, like, I was dying to share this. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, how can I show this to everybody in the world? Because <laughs> nobody has this video on YouTube. It doesn't exist. Right. Nobody's made a mob farm for Bedrock before, but everybody keeps trying to make these Java mob farms and failing. So that's when I decided, like, you know what? Like, I'm going to make a YouTube channel. And I'm going to make this video. And that's the first video that's on my channel. If you go all the way back as a mob farm that, you know, nowadays doesn't really look that great compared to what's out there now. But yeah, that was my inspiration. I just wanted to help people play Bedrock better and learn how to do things, not get stuck on Java videos. And that's still my motivation today is trying to get Bedrock to a better place and put more videos out there. So Bedrockers find Bedrock videos and don't get stuck on Java videos that don't work for them. Way better than me. I started out on Bedrock, and then I went looking for how to do stuff, and then I saw the Java videos, and I went, well, I'm just going to switch to Java. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I did. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to prevent. I want people to play Bedrock. <laughs> yeah. Well, most of, most of our uh, Discord members play Bedrock. Yeah, I think it's a large, like, five to one or something like that, like Bedrock to Java players. It, it might even be larger than that now, so... Uh, even like most Java content creators, like most of their viewers are Bedrock players, not Java players. So yep. I just think it's nice to, you know, let somebody watch the version of the game that they play. So things that they see will work the way that they are seeing it. Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully at some point, you know, one of my big goals is to try to help achieve as much parity as possible between the two versions. That way people don't have that. If you like to watch Hermitcraft, then that's cool. You can watch Hermitcraft. And that thing that you saw Mumbo do in Hermitcraft works the same way that it works for Bedrock Edition or maybe vice versa, you know, Bedrock player that, yeah. So hopefully we achieve that one day. Yeah. Yeah. Rebel JC is back with another question, this time on episode 100 in June where Duds and Jimbo were joined by Kojo, a Minecraft gameplay developer, as he explains how the teams at Mojang come up with ideas for new features and future updates. They ask, can you give us a glimpse on how the dev team comes up with ideas and discussions for future updates or features? Sure. Uh, And this changes, I would say, every update uh, as we learn... Mm -hmm and improve our processes. Um, But when it comes to coming up with ideas and discussing the ideas, uh, I would say every update starts by like getting together to discuss what areas of the game we think uh, would be best to improve next. Uh, And we do often think several updates ahead. It's not always just what are we doing next? It's like, what are we doing next, 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 and next, next, next. And always kind of thinking about like, what is the the direction we want to take the game the next few years? From there, uh, we choose a, a general like theme for the update uh, and then brainstorm some ideas around that theme. And that usually involves choosing pillars of the update. I think we talk about the pillars during live, mm-hmm. uh, but the pillars help us decide what features we add because we want the features to fulfill the pillars. And the pillars are essentially a way of guiding the update so that we can fulfill promises to the, the players based on those pillars. 
Then we open it up to the company, uh, sort of think about it like a funnel. So at the top, we, we just kind of at a broad company level, like let people in on what the theme is and invite people to suggest ideas to us. Mm-hmm. From there, we take the ideas back into the team and then we discuss and prioritize and iterate and mix in our own ideas with the ones that were suggested that we felt would fit well. Uh, and once we've put together our idea of like what the initial features are for the update and what priority we should do them in, each feature, at least like the first few features, get assigned a design owner who then is responsible for leading the design and the development of that feature in coordination with other developers. Then each feature is only owned by one person, uh, but there's always a ton of collaboration on design questions and sub features for each feature. And like the design team, especially, we're always uh, talking all the time about how we can make our features work t- well together, thinking about existing features and, you know, keeping the game design. Brandon is really, sorry, King B-Dogs <laughs> is very big mm-hmm. on keeping design space open uh, and not closing it off for the future. And that's definitely something we yeah. try to do as well. Awesome. You guys heard it here. 122 is already figured out. We got everything <laughs> on the board. But as a concrete example, um, the axolotl, like we were just sitting in a, a meeting thinking about what mobs would be really fun to have in caves. And I was just thinking, like, I don't know why it popped into my head, but I was like, you know, I do know a cave creature that's really derpy and really cute. Mm-hmm and is endangered and would just be perfect for Minecraft. And I just threw the axolotl on the board and everyone was like, oh, axolotls. <laughs> yep. yep, big hit. So you're responsible for the cuteness overload. <laughs> I'm responsible for the initial idea. I'll give Olraf a lot of credit for the design. Mm-hmm. We, we co-designed that one. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's just another example of like, not every idea comes from a big brainstorming process. Sometimes it's just somebody gets really inspired and people are like, yes, that's it. Yeah, love it. Yeah, you hear the Minecraft community always throwing ideas out there. This will be next. This will be next. Do you ever like consider the Minecraft community when you take in this discussion? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the community, we're really, really big on listening to the community. I mean, obviously, people were asking for the cave update for, you know, yes. a decade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think we had a, a video that addressed this exact point. Like, I don't think we could have done the cave update justice until now. Like, the, no sooner than mm-hmm. now would we have been okay. able to deliver on the tech needed, on the, the, the features that we added. And I, I think we're, we're doing it at the right time. And we're, I'm glad that we're taking our time to do it. But we definitely do listen. Absolutely. So timing. Mm-hmm. Timing's pretty key. Mm. Mending Minecraft is a fan-favourite segment on the show, and on episode 102, I joined Duds and Jimbo to discuss improvements to the end highlands, including exotic vegetation, houses, new mobs, and lakes of a very strange liquid. Improving the end highlands without taking it to an extreme is extremely hard because you listen to Mojang and they're like, we want the end to stay barren. We were talking about this in the pre-show and you don't want to put too much into it. Yeah. Because then you take away from that. And of course, Carl comes up with the simple thing. Just netherfy it. Do exactly what you did in the nether in the end. But on a, on a, on a less scale though. Yeah. I want to see a variant of the piglin or a new endling or whatever you want to call it i have an idea for that awesome and it's cute 
Awesome. And them to have little houses and things like that and a little bit of garden so we can get some wood maybe in different colours, you know, kind of wacky colours and some shrubs and things like that. But to keep it sort of as barren as it is now, but kind of Mm. add these little sort of like mini communities, sort of like villages, but on a smaller scale, maybe four houses in little houses in in an area near to an end city maybe it would be a great way to be to like signal hey there's an end city nearby yeah you're coming up to an end city it's within say 200 blocks or 300 blocks or whatever yeah but you know you've you've like you were saying you've really got to be careful here that you don't overdo it Mm -hmm. and i think i i had something else on my notes which was a sort of you know like we have water and we have lava well, if we had a black liquid Ooh. that is like a harming potion, so you can actually scoop Goo. it up into bottles and do it from there. What if it was sticky? There you go. So if you, ha- if you turned it into a splash potion and you threw mm-hmm. it at a mob, the mob couldn't move. Yeah, so it's like, um, like um, slime, you know, like, but like real life slime where it's like all around you and sticking to you and sticking mm-hmm. you to the ground. Yeah, I think that, like, lakes of that in these highlands wouldn't overdo it because it's black, because it's dark. Mm-hmm. It fits the kind of void atmosphere of the end. Mm-hmm. Or purple. Or purple. Like you said, you've, you've really got to be careful because you can ruin the end by doing too much to it. Yes. I, I bet that's why they haven't done another end update yet because, you know, like Corey was saying on episode 100, that they they think about these things so hard that they don't want to invalidate old features or make new mm-hmm. features in the future not doable. Right. And they want to make sure that the balance is there. And I think the end is one of those places where getting that balance is going to be extremely difficult. Yeah. Yes. I think the end really opens the door up for like exotic mobs. There's, like, you're saying pigmen or, you know, little houses. I'm thinking something else. Like, this is the end. This is the dimension that no one's been before. So you could actually add things that you've never seen before. You can make them real exotic. You can make them, like, the housing is a lot different. Like, you have the end cities. No one's seen anything like that before. I love that. Mm-hmm. The shulkers, you know, that's completely different. That's an exotic mob. I believe it really opens the door up for something like that. The the lake thing, the river thing, love that idea. Yeah, I think that would be so cool to have. Could you imagine falling in one of those things and not being able to swim out? Yeah. Just slowly sinking? Mm. It's a bit like um, powdered snow in that respect, where yeah. it's sort of sucking you into it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll come up with something you have to wear that you can just skate across it, because that's something they seem to like Chain doing mail. these days. <laughs> maybe now everyone's gonna wear chainmail or maybe there's a new type of boot or a new type of helmet i was gonna say jet ski jet ski i mean yeah. in boat i'd be up for a jet ski who wouldn't want a jet ski i <laughs> know right so is it my go you guys ready for this go on ready all right the easy stuff i want end grass i want some cool colored grass we got that with the nylium in the nether. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. I want it in the end. I don't want purple grass, so don't give me purple grass. We already have mycelium. Yeah. Yeah, it's it sort of be between mycelium and crimson, wouldn't it? It's sort of yeah. two two in that kind of color spectrum. Yeah, I'm talking. I want some like yellow grass. Yeah. Uh, a lot brighter than a path block. I like it. Yeah, yellow is the opposite of purple, so that would actually fit really good. Yeah. It'd fit with the end the end stone as well. It'd fit yeah. into the into the current mm-hmm. makeup of the end. It would fit into that sort of really really well i'd like a couple flowers and stuff uh, just cosmetic stuff that really doesn't it, we don't need a new wither rose or anything like that like that's i'm fine with just a flower being a flower that you could only pick in the end that'd be kind of cool uh, i love carl's idea of miniature villages that kind of signify there's a end city nearby that that's great and now it's time for my baby yoda <laughs> My mob of choice for the end, tiny Endermen that carry shulkers with them. Mm. The thing that's special about the tiny Endermen is you can look them in the eye and not get them mad, and they carry the shulker around with them, so now you have a chance to get a shulker without going to an end city. But as soon as you strike the shulker, the the baby Enderman gets mad, because that's his friend. They're carrying each other around. The shulker will still shoot shulker shells at you like a normal shulker does, Mm. but... Just like an Ender Kid. Just a little tiny baby cute Enderman. Yeah, Ender Kid. Ender Kid. Yeah. Ender Kid carrying around a shulker. I like that. So that way, if you if you don't make it to an in city, you still have a chance to get shulker shells. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. I like it. That being said, they have kind of fixed it where now shulkers were duplicate each other, so you can farm them now. Yeah, it's you can. pretty uh, you see those farms though? Whoo. Yeah. Man, yeah. and then you got to get a hold of them and transport them, which isn't easy either. Mm-hmm. No, that's my thing. I think Ender Kids are the way to go in the end. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good things you could do in the end. Mm-hmm. Some of those ideas are really good that we've come up with. Balancing the end's hard. Yeah, it's pretty much a blank slate. In October, on episode 115, Duds and Jimbo were joined by Laura, a lead game designer on the Minecraft Dungeons team, to discuss a range of questions, including how they work with the vanilla team, and how the law between the main game and dungeons should be fought off by players. So when adding something new into into dungeons, like a new mob or location, how much did the vanilla slash Java bedrock team get involved with the development process? This question is from the meme bugs. Yeah, quite quite a bit, actually. We tried to make sure that technically everything we put in dungeons could eventually be put into vanilla if they wanted to and felt like it and felt it was appropriate. Mm-hmm. So we tried to make sure that everything we put in the game makes sense within the Minecraft universe as much as possible. So we have a, a very close connection with, with the Vanilla team. We talk with Agnes and Jens uh, a lot. And now we got a, a new structure for the design discipline all across the Mojang uh, studios. Mm-hmm. So now we can talk to each other a lot more, which means that we can you know, be inspired by each other and come up with solutions together, which is which is awesome. So we try our best to stay 
stay as in touch as possible. Which I absolutely love because while Dungeons doesn't feel uh, like it was specifically made as a Minecraft game, it does feel like a natural progression for a Minecraft game. Right, yeah, and, and we wanted to make sure that it was a, a very different experience, but that it still felt very Minecraft. Uh, so hopefully we hit the mark in there. Um, yeah, sometimes it's difficult to know. You have. I think that's one of the first things we mentioned when we were playing the beta, Duds, is how much it looked like Minecraft and how much they brought in from you know the game of Minecraft to Dungeons. Yeah, it was... Well, it doesn't feel like a Minecraft game because it's, it's a dungeon scroller game. Mm. Yeah. So it's a very different kind of game. It very much nailed the theming of Minecraft easily. Nice. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was being brought into a new world with different looking things, but you could still say, oh, like this is that from Minecraft just updated, which was awesome. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a block design in dungeons and I went, oh, I want that in the game. <laughs> yeah, many times. That's that's awesome to hear. Yeah, we actually build everything in Minecraft, uh, so I think that's partly why we managed to make it feel Minecrafty enough. Mm -hmm. It's because we use a we use a how you say uh, in house version of the Bedrock Minecraft editor, and we customize it to oh to fit our needs. Uh, so we are much faster mm -hmm. working on it, and then we come up with new block textures and pixel art and that's how we build the basic terrain on our missions so i think yeah i think that helps a lot awesome yeah nice all right the next question we have is a two-part question these are from awesome 2090 or 2399 and our patron fragile rock they ask what inspired you and the mc dungeons team for the storyline of the game and a lot of Minecraft lore is worked out in dungeons. Should dungeons be thought of as a standalone world, or is the lore intended to apply to the entirety of the Minecraft franchise? Right. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, the lore is all connected. Like, Minecraft mm -hmm. is one universe, and within the universe of Minecraft, there's, you know, vanilla, and then there's dungeons, and, and so on and so forth. So it is one big universe, and we, you know, we explore different parts of this universe in different games. But yeah, in theory, it's all interconnected. What inspired us? Well, uh, Illagers were a very natural enemy within the mm -hmm. vanilla world. And actually, Illagers was something that was developed at the same time in both games. So while we were developing dungeons, we kickstarted with uh, illagers with crossbows and so on and so forth and then vanilla release village and pillage mm -hmm. uh, so technically like that was an inception from from the dungeon side of things awesome uh, so we've been working in parallel for a very very long time and then it just felt natural to have an illager as the main villain of the story since we wanted it to be more narrative driven mm -hmm. So yeah, the art chillager just felt like a like a natural enemy, and then we wanted to have this mystery with the orb of dominance and and having this how you say very intrinsic hidden evil power in the background sounded very yeah interesting to us. Uh, and now with the, the release of our latest DLC, we tied that with the end, which is another you know hint to the lore. 
So I don't know if I can say much more, but yeah. Well, I'd stop anyway because I haven't gotten to the NDLC yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love. I like the look of the little artillager. Yeah. He is adorable. It, like he really stands apart from all the other ones. Yeah, I love that it feels so. It's part of the species, if you will, or the mob, but it still feels so unique. I, I like the archilager a lot. Right. Hmm. From what everything we've heard today, the exciting part should be that if it's in dungeons, it's getting talked about being in Bedrock in Java too. Potentially. Like, as I said, it is not part of our decision. We just conceptualize things as if they were able to make it right. to vanilla. Uh, that doesn't mean that things will strictly make it, or if you see it in dungeons, mm -hmm. it will eventually come to vanilla. It just means that if the vanilla team thinks that they, it, some of the things are a good fit for whatever update they're working on, they might consider putting it in. So that's the way we try to see it. For both games, we try to, to think about, would this be a good fit for the universe in general? So if it's a good fit for the universe, then it potentially can be a good fit for any game. So that's the, that's the thought. The possibilities are unlimited. Yeah, exactly. Like Minecraft is such a big, you know, beast. It is so easy. Well, it is not easy to add new things, but you could have technically everything you wanted. So then the challenge is to come up with things that are unique and new and interesting and that serve a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, you look at the Bedrock Vanilla game, Java, it's very much a blank slate. You can paint your own storyline and everything like that, whereas Dungeons is giving you a storyline. It's just your chance to adventure it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, yeah, it's very different approaches, but hopefully we're, yeah, we're adding to the same universe. So. Staying in October and just before Minecraft Live with episode 116, where Duds and Jimbo set out their predictions for what we could expect from Minecraft 119, which turned out to be the wild update. Let's see how they did with their predictions. 119, what's 119 going to be, Jimbo? I could see us doing a biome update, a big biome update, and that's from the beginning of the show how they took out a bunch of biomes, mm -hmm. I think it's for the biome update. You're saying there's precedent there? Yes. I think they're you know, connected in some way. We're going to get our mobs from the my, or biome votes that we've been doing that we haven't seen yet. I think we're going to get like the new trees, new blocks, and just new all-around you know, liveliness to the world. I'm really hoping for that. I was going to say end update. It's pretty popular, as you could see on our vote from Spotify. Uh, wouldn't mind seeing that, but yeah, I think it, we're leaning more towards a biome update. Okay, okay. I'm going to say no. And there's a lot of biasm, biasness, yeah, mm -hmm. in my vote or my prediction, because I'm going to say it's an inventory slash bug fixes update. And it's not so much it has to be inventory. It can be something else that's not as large as a world generation type update. Maybe it's Jeb's combat update finally getting into the game. We haven't heard about this thing in almost a year. Right. Maybe that finally comes into the game. And you know what? 
I would be super happy with it. I'd be excited about it. Especially if he touched up on the Trident. <laughs> yeah. The big thing is, with how late 118's finishing up, it's finishing up in December, I think it's going to be too late in the developmental year that Mojang likes to do to put in a bigger update, like a world gen or a biome update, an end update. So to try to keep on pace, I think we're going to get something like 115, the bugs and the bees. They'll do some cleaning up in the code, make sure the game is running efficiently again. We see that already with their posting like, hey, how is how's the game running on your computers and stuff like that? Are you having lag issues? Are you having frame spikes and stuff like that? I think that's what we're going to get for 119. I don't necessarily disagree. Right. I think a lot of bug fixes are going to come in 118. I feel like they're going to keep fixing it. You know, we'll see a 118.1 or 118.6. You know, that's how far into it. I could see it going just because when I played the snapshot, I was coming across some lag issues and stuff. And I have a pretty nice beefy PC and I'm still coming across some lag and stuff like that. And I feel like they're going to be fixing a lot of bugs then. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't mind a bug fix update. You know, it depends how bad it gets, I guess. And inventory, yeah, inventory is always something they could work on. And I'm not going to say you're wrong. You could be right. We could have a lot of 118s. The only problem with that is, again, they're going to be pushing 119 development cycle back mm -hmm. to continue to work on 118, which means they're going to have even less time for 119. Yeah, and they're going to tell us what 119 is, and everyone's going to be excited about it for them just to not give it to us till way later. Right. So that wouldn't be cool. Either way, we're not Mojang, so we don't know what's going to happen at Minecraft. Yes, like we said before, in Mojang, we trust. Yep. We know uh, they got something cool brewing. Jimbo got that pretty much spot on, didn't he? Make sure you listen to the full episode for some more left-field predictions for future episodes. Our final best-of moment is from episode 120 in November, where Duds and Jimbo were joined by Minecraft content creator Short Zelda 22. She tells us about the unique SMP she set up with her husband, as well as a funny story involving duds. I would say for about the last two years, I've just pretty much been a Minecraft player streamer. Mm -hmm. um, and I uh, was kind of brought in by a, a streaming overlap, a streaming funny um, does actually read it into my stream, and I misread his username. Yep. I'm, I'm gonna go yep. out on full record here. I read it as doo-doo, because streamer ba brain is a very real thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can't always, uh, read, and especially when chat comes in and there's, like, uh, a lot of new names and you're trying to catch them fast, I read it as doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. That's why I don't raid people. <laughs> <laughs> So he actually had raided in while I was playing on my SMP uh, that me and my husband are owners admins on called Hourglass SMP. Mm -hmm. um, and it is very much a kind of a test server for us. Like uh, we 
had been playing on an SMP for about a year before we launched our own. Mm-hmm. And we came to the idea that we really enjoyed the community areas uh, the most on that SMP. Like building a base, building our own farms is always fun. But we kind of thrived in uh, our previous world when we had big community projects. So what we did was we created this server as a limited timed community build world. Um, And what that means is we set a time limit of only six months and we launched on July 1st and the server is going to go down on December 31st. So that's like been pretty much consuming all of my creative time Mm -hmm. for the last several months because we're so focused on every month going to a new area and building a new themed area. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we we chose a um, like an overarching theme for the server of Magic the Gathering so that we could mash two of our interests together. So we take ideas and themes from Magic the Gathering and build them in Minecraft. Ah. So we're centering it around the five mana cycles. I don't know, do you guys play Magic the Gathering? Are you familiar with it at all? Not at all. I looked at it a little <laughs> bit. When I I was checking out the server and you mentioned the mana cycles, I was like, I wonder what this is. And uh, I I wasn't able to get the grasp of what it was. I, I saw like five different cards with different environments. Yep. So what it is, is mana is the power source for all the spells. It's basically, it's the energy, if you think about it that way, that you pull from the land in order to cast your creatures and your spells, and to help protect all of your stuff. And so each of the five different manas is both a color, and it represents a plane, or like a um, like a land formation, basically. Okay. So there is white, which is the plains, which is like big fields, um, like, you know, lots of open space. And then there's blue, which is islands. Um, obviously, that one's a little bit easier to explain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and then uh, the next one is black swamps, and then uh, red mountains, and then green and forests. So each one of them has a color and like a personality of their own. And so what we're doing with each one of those areas is we're building our our um, on a mushroom island first of all because it was it was before the wonderful lighting update that we're getting next update. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we wanted to be able to concentrate on the building side of everything and not so much on the mob proofing. Um, and so we found a seed with five mushroom islands within uh, 3,000 blocks of spawn. And each month we're moving to a different area and we're picking a build style and like a color palette of blocks. And we're all building in the same area um, to get kind of these huge um, build projects done that one single player would just wouldn't be able to do. Yeah, it's pretty unique. Yeah, for anyone, you need to go see it because <laughs> these aren't like small little village builds. These are massive builds. And the fact that you're getting them done in a month is crazy. Mm-hmm. The first one to go with the the fact that they're big builds is uh, month one that we built on for the White Island. There was a cathedral, full full like grand scale cathedral um, there was a fortress, which actually we had to expand the island a little bit because uh, one of the members on the server just kind of went crazy <laughs> with it. So we actually had to add on because we didn't have enough space oh, wow. <laughs> on our mushroom island. 
Uh, so he basically doubled the size of the Mushroom wow. Island. <laughs> and then a whole village and a lighthouse and a shipping dock. And that's definitely was my favorite month so far because really everybody just embraced the challenge in that month. Yeah. When everything's new and fresh, and you, you have a path. Mm-hmm. And that to me, that's the best thing about starting a new mm-hmm. season is seeing the path emerge and what you're doing. Yeah, seeing the vision start to come to life, like because we'd been planning it for about two months before we actually got in world. And so just like seeing everybody's contributions and like kind of what everybody gravitated towards yeah. was really cool. Yeah, it's nice seeing different SMPs like this. You know, normally you get the same old, you know, get your group together and build on a server type of deal. But to have a plan like this is pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty unique. You're starting to see that a little more and more with SMPs. I'm I'm digging it. Well, that and the the short time period you guys have set for yourselves too, because a lot of SMPs take a year mm-hmm. before they finish a map, and you guys are like six months go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's our deadline. Yeah, it it was definitely a little bit of a we don't know if we can hold interest long enough. <laughs> <laughs> like let's just uh stick with it as long as mm-hmm. we've got the inspiration right. um was kind of, and to kind of test the waters but i think i think everybody's yeah. still very interested that's going to do us for today there are so many more conversations and ideas i could have included if you have missed any episodes throughout the year i would encourage you to go back and listen to them as each episode has really good ideas and unique insight into the game. We'll also be publishing a special episode of Drinking Our Milk, which will include some highlights from our half-stack episodes for our patrons. Before I read us out and talking of the patrons, I would like to say a huge thank you to all of them for supporting the show. Our milk-level patrons are Orbney, Chief Big Bear, Crop, Fradgerot, Obeep, Vipers Tuna, and why guy if you too would like to get access to exclusive benefits and hours of extra content each month consider joining at patreon.com slash the withering effect if you like the show you can share it with all your friends and on social media if you listen on spotify rate and follow us so you never miss a future episode or if you listen on apple podcasts leave us a nice review doing any of these helps the show reach more listeners if you'd like to get in contact with us, send an email to podcast at theWitheringEffect.com, tweet us, leave a voice message, or join our Discord, where you can have a chat with everyone who works on the show and your fellow listeners. All the links are in the show notes. This show has been brought to you by myself, but also everyone else we heard today on The Best Of, including Duds, Jimbo, Prowl, Kojo, Laura, and Short Zelda. The amazing music you hear in the intro, outro, and interludes was created by the one and only Decoy. Everyone's social media info can be found in the show notes. You guys have been awesome. Thanks for getting withered with me on this special episode. Duds and Jimbo will be back next week, and I'd like to wish everyone a happy new year. You should probably go and drink some milk now. Bye!